God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. He is. He still is. After all these years. Amazing. How can it be? That's a nice shirt you got on. I just noticed that. Hawaiian. Picked this up at uh, Kohl's for $9. Nine bucks at Kohl's. Yeah, yeah. Hard to go wrong with that. So, how long have we been doing this show? This is episode 184. That's what? uh, You know, we're coming up on the the 200th. Wow, that died. We're we're coming Suddenly. up on on the two hundredth episode of the God Whispers, and uh, we we really need to we we need something big. Remember the one hundredth we did the we did the uh, the solid gold edition. Yeah, I don't know if Brian's even out there listening. I haven't heard much from he's, Brian he's done... since since the infamy of the Swirla app. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at that the other day. I've got a I've got like a four year old member of my congregation, and she was showing me the Swirla app on what? her mom's iPhone. What does the Swirla app do exactly? Uh, it just spouts uh, short Swirla phrases gleaned from the God Whispers with the Swirla head kind of bobbing back and forth in a very creepy... It's a disembodied head. Wow. Uh, uh, bobbing back and forth in a very creepy way. Maybe I should be jealous. But no. I think you need like a 15-inch monitor for you, my you really, you, re- you, you really shouldn't be <laughs> jealous. Remember last episode we were talking about those career-limiting things that... <laughs> <laughs> this this one is is definitely one of them. Yeah, unfortunately, I think my head would just bob and say bacon. bacon you know, one bacon, thing we should bacon. think about, and I'm going to leave this for you because you have the telecommunications side of this show uh, kind of down more or less. And I understand we have some Skype calls. More or less. Yes, we do. But before we get to those. We have um, three, wow. which we may get to all of them. Or we ought today. to seriously consider. Yes. A a kind of can you do like a Skype conference call? Can yes. you do or how how could we do that or just have a live call-in show? It would be a big cluster cup of coffee is what it would be. Mm. Uh, a lot of a lot of people shouting at the same time possibly. What we would need is is a board op to kind of filter things out. Oh, okay. So we'd have to have a third party in here yeah. to kind of like figure it out. Yeah. But what I was thinking, you know, is we could we could you know, just get on. We we do the show, have the recorder running, get Henning on, and you know, hopefully, kinds of clean, kind of cleans it up for the show. But yeah, you know, Henning, but 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 uh, great guy. Um, but we have Henning on. Maybe maybe the the guy from you know the South Pole and and you know some of the other characters. Oh yeah yeah yeah, we could do something. Like and then, that. I thought, but then I thought you meant just caller mayhem or something. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That could people could we have them on and could we could people still call in? Um, I would have to experiment a little bit with Skype. We would have to be somewhere with really good interweb, either your home or mine, and directly wired into the interweb and got it wireless. Okay, okay, yeah. So we need we need throughput. Um, yeah. But what I'm thinking though, or, or the other alternative is just to record at a pre-published time, and so people call up the Skype line live, right? right. And they can engage the manly doctors. Yeah. Um, Risky. 
once again, I, I think one of the problems would be is if we're talking to one person and another one calls in, you kind of have that call waiting, bong, bong, you know, kind of noise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that adds to the uh, the experience, I that, think. That adds to the mystique that is the God Whispers, yeah, well. also known as low budget. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'd like to do some research on that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but speaking of Skype, what's what's the number again? Oh, the Manly Doctors 13 number, 626-593-7713, which spells Manly Durs. 13. That, 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 that's basically the, our claim to being manly doctors Are is we our manly phone number. Are manly doctors or just a couple of durs? Uh, yeah, Durr. pretty much. And, and uh, the, the email address, godwhispers at gmail.com, website, godwhispers.com, Facebook, check out our new page, like it. We're trying to get the, we got to get the likes up, have to get the likes back. Yeah. They got to come at least up to the level of the group. The group was at 450. Well, I invited when, when we split off. I invited eleven hundred people the other day. Yeah, so I, I think, I'm, I'm gonna know, I'm gonna do a blast to my fifteen hundred and sixty dear Facebook friends. Yes, every my one of them. Closest friends. Love you guys. Is. Love you dearly. I invited all of them but one. We won't say who that is. <laughs> oh, I'll have to invite all him. But one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, and we're on Twitter and, and all of that. So um Skype, you said you had something on the Skype line. We you do. Came, you wanna go straight to do the you Skype have, line? Do you have it? Uh, you want to go to call one, two, or three? Uh, let's, let's just take them in numerical order. Okay, call number one. Let's see what we Brace got. yourself because this is uh, high-energy radio right here. Okay. So here we go. Yeah, hi. I was just testing out the phone number just to make sure it's, it works. And it is indeed Manly Doctors 13. There you have it. That was it? <laughs> Somebody was... <laughs> Somebody was testing out the phone number. It ain't enough to actually make it through the tough screening process that we have. Fire the screener. <laughs> that would be me. I quit. Oh. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was that was that Do was. You have just, any any comments for that? That was scintillating right there. That. that... Uh, yes. Did you ever do phone pranks when you were a it's kid? Working. Yes. Stupid caller ID ruined all the fun. Oh yeah, caller ID was the end of that. Yeah. What was your What was the best phone prank you ever pulled? Uh, calling the bowling alley was always a good one. Do you have ten pound balls? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Those the, the puns. The, yeah. Those those are good ones. Yeah, yeah. That we would we would do a thing where we would just dial random numbers just to see what they would what, where it would be. Oh, you know, I'm sure your parents appreciated the long distance uh, bills at the end of the month. Yeah, well, we we did it at a friend's house. Uh, and <laughs> The, the other the other thing was we would we we would when that friend wasn't home I'm assuming we would <laughs> dial these were back in the days when directory assistance was a free service and we would dial long distance directory for, directory assistance to like we call Honolulu or something like that beautiful just to get phone numbers of inane things just to say we called Honolulu but that was actually free you could would, do that. would you ask the operator what the weather is like yeah stuff yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 how's we, it surf today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, never did a Tom Mabe. I saw a great Tom Mabe uh, stunt oh, on, on YouTube. Tom Mabe. You know, he not only he not time. only he not, not only pranks telemarketers, but he also uh, he does pranks, visual pranks that he he videotapes, kind of nice. like you know, he, like candid camera, yeah. modern style. But there's like he, he has one. It's on YouTube entitled uh, "Feeding the Homeless." 
or how I feed the homeless. And so he's parked in a car across the street from a fast food place, and there are these two homeless people, you know, with the, the, the shopping carts and the bags and everything just sitting on the curb. And so he dials up the, uh, the, the fast food place, and, he, and he, he's, he's basically saying, says he's from the, the sheriff's office, and I've got two undercover agents out, out, on the, out on the side there. And, you know, it's getting about noontime, and they're getting pretty hungry, and they can't come in the restaurant because it'll kind of blow their cover. You think maybe you could bring out a coffee, a couple of burgers or something <laughs> like that? Really appreciate it, you know, but they're, they're on a stakeout right now. They want to blow their cover. And about a minute later, this guy comes out. He's got bags of hamburgers, Coke. <laughs> He's setting it down right on the curb there, not bothering them. And, <laughs> and that's how Tom Mabe feeds the homeless with he... <laughs> his telephone. I, I used to have a habit before I was married. Uh, <laughs> well, I, where I, I train my dogs with hand signals. Yeah. And so telemarketers, we call them, and they, and they he, he, I, is uh, Craig, and you always know that it's, that it's a telemarketer because it's Donna Fine Row. Yeah, right. Know, that's they, right. They always yeah. slaughter the name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just a moment. May I ask who's calling? Oh yeah. This is uh, Bank of America card, you know, card services or something like that. And they, you know, I don't have B of A card or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's in the garage. Just a minute. Let me get him. And uh, I put the phone down, watch TV for a couple of minutes, pick up the phone. Yeah, he's cleaning up. He'll be right here. Put it down for a couple more minutes. And oh, oh, he got it. He got his, his uh, shirt stuck in the alternator or something. He'll, he'll be he'll be right in. You say he'll be right in. You know. So I leave them stringing for about ten minutes this way. That really takes him out of circulation. Every, every few minutes, you know, every couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, he's on his way. And then I do the hand signals of my dog to get him to start barking. He'd be barking into the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right into the phone, and it's always oh, good fun. And you, you just keep them stringing That's long good. until they hang up you know? I, I really wish i was as quick or as as <laughs> had the script down as well as tom oh Abe he's awesome for, for some of those because he gets them going oh, I yeah mean, he really gets yeah, them rolling the, the, on that. the best one that i've heard him do is the one with the suicide scene where the telemarketer calls he says uh you were you weren't you didn't happen to be his gay lover now oh you? no <laughs> yeah, that's a murder scene that, yeah, murder, yeah, murder yeah. Scene and all this. yeah i want you to know that, that mr Mabe was a flaming homosexual <laughs> You wouldn't have to have been his gay lover, would you? No, but he had he had one the, the funeral. You know these uh, these the like forest lawn and and these these funeral places call uh, about your life, your your planning. You know you want to get your planning and 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 Mabe uh, basically he, he's trying to get it expedited because he's contemplating suicide. You know, so, <laughs> and, and so he's got he's got this funeral funeral home guy calling trying to get him to buy uh, funeral services, talking him out of killing himself. <laughs> it's just—it's genius. Well, so much for that call. What yeah. else? Do, what else do we oh, have? Oh, you want to go to yeah, number yeah, two? Let's, yeah, let's pick up number two. Else. Now, number two is actually has a little substance to it. Wait, well, little, little <laughs> that never stopped us. And here we go. Hello, manly doctors. Oh, so thanks be to God for you guys out there. Um, it is a blessing for me to be able to listen to it. It's my only bit of sanity to tell you the truth. I'm scared. Very I'm calling because <laughs> maybe you don't know this. Oh no. We know when you advertise that you might become highly dissatisfied with your church. Well, that has happened with my theology, with the church almost. So I'm searching out LCMS, and we went to one that was supposed to be, but it's really not, because when we go there, everything is adiaphora. So we have women this and guitar player that and kids pageant this. and Guitar playing nuns. So anyway, we live in Cape May County, New Jersey. There is not one. Let let me me look that up. Let me Google that. Cape May County, New Jersey. (laughs) 
There is one that is over, well over our driveway. So I don't even know what the mileage is. And that's probably breaking the commandment to get there by then. Um, is there a mileage commandment? I just don't know how to <laughs> reach out for help. Well. So anyway, my name is Kim. Oh, oh. well, we'll just, we'll just stop it there because uh, <laughs> she gives out her phone number and address yeah, and well. uh, social security number and all the rest. Uh, we advertise what? We, what we we advertise leaving the church or something like that? No. I, I'm not sure what we're advertising here. Cape May, New Jersey. I'm I'm looking it up. What Ho- exit is that? Holy mackerel! I mean that that's like right on the beach, man. Well, why don't you look into that? I think I will. I mean that's yeah. right. You used to be on the East Coast. Yeah, I miss it. Miss it a lot. I love the Jersey Shore. I, I don't know how far north or south this is. It's, it looks like it's kind of a little peninsula. Cape May, New Jersey. Looks lovely. Probably yeah. touristy, I would imagine. Uh, I don't know why we don't have an LCMS church out there. I do know that the summer that I spent in, in Morristown, Morris Plains, and Parsippany, New Jersey, which is up north, uh, Lutheran churches were few and far between. This, this is not major Lutheran country. I think the case that she was making was there are LCMS churches in the area, but they're not Lutheran. They've gone sort of flaco. (laughs) You know what I mean? They are. Oh, you're you're doing the little fingers thing. They're not Lutheran, Lutheran. right? right. Well, yeah, yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. Um, You still? I mean, you might look into that. My 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 whole. I think she should start a a house church and call Craig D'Onofrio. Why not? Do a commuter. You do a two-point parish, one West Coast, one East Coast. I miss the East Coast. He I, loves the East I Coast. I miss the New Yorkers screaming at me for no apparent reason except great the fact delis. that they're New Yorkers. They have great delis. There. And I really actually did appreciate that because you know where these people stand. Oh, they're straight up people. They won't just you know smile at you and knife you. They'll let you know, the only, I'm going only, to knife you. The only problem with New Jersey is that they drop the F-bomb too often, which offends some people. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, I know of uh, one or two pastors that might actually do well out there. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, we can make a referral. <laughs> and I, I may or may not be one of them. I won't. Uh, I won't. State I, it, you but... know, I, I, I have toned that down. That, that, that kind of that the harsh language. I, I have, I have softened considerably in my fifties. You apparently are not dealing with enough pastors anymore. Because... <laughs> I avoid them like the plague. <laughs> Believe me. That, well, see, that's the thing. No, you, you, you point out exactly why I, I am cussing less. I'm <laughs> dealing less with pastors. And I'm going to fewer church meetings, too. I, I had uh, a fellow pastor point out recently that most Missouri Synod pastors are 12-year-old girls. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, <laughs> that's a hard one to refute. Anyway, the the question about how far should you commute? Now, I'm assuming that that uh, our listener here is bound by some Jewish law about how far you can travel on the Sabbath. A hundred feet. Yeah, except to go um, to synagogue. I have parishioners that travel past six or eight Lutheran churches, quote unquote, to get to. One where there's liturgy and some semblance of gospel on a fairly regular basis. Uh, not that I'm the greatest pastor in the room because Swirly knows without a doubt that he is. No question but, there. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, how far are you willing to go to hear the gospel? Perhaps the answer is, uh, in all reality, maybe uh, go to church once or twice a month if that's the best that you can do. Um, that I mean that that's one that's one approach. Uh, the, I mean the charge that all things are adiaphora. Uh, unfortunately, that that has really become uh, almost a slogan with with those who just want to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, and and, and I, I I I feel very badly about the state of our Lutheran churches today. I mean I can't believe uh, in the time from when I was growing up in the Lutheran church to where we are today. Uh, how far we've just, I mean, we've almost completely deconstructed ourselves uh, in terms of any any outward sign of unity whatsoever. And you and I experience this too. You go to the, our pastor's conferences and you're just subjected to some of the, the most horrendous things in, in the name of worship. Yeah. One of my favorites was a, a convention that I went to where... Uh, the pastors were all asked to extend their right arms to shoot a oh, yeah. blessing yeah. at those who were recently elected. Yeah. And the first time I saw it, I, I was there and I said, this many Germans with a right arm extended is not a good idea. And then the second time they did it, I just kind of said, I put my head down and said, Zeke Heil. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was there. Yeah. I saw that. And first, but, first is what is this? We're using the force. Is that what it is? Well, there's, uh, it, we have adopted I'm a surprised whole they didn't bunch. start levitating or we, something. Well, no, we've adopted a whole bunch of ceremonials, a whole bunch of, of all kinds of gestures, rubrics, uh, songs, hymns, whatever, from other traditions, other theologies, other confessions, and, you know, a number of things. We've lost our identity. Who am I? Uh, we've, we've lost our, I, I think we've lost a, a focus on our theology because yes. it, this is not just, you can have Lutheran theology and decorate it however you want. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, this is a sorry case, uh, the state of affairs for the Lutheran church. And, uh, and, and I think people like that caller are just another victim along the way. Um, you know, and, and it's, I, I think we have to really reconsider what we're doing in the name of Adiaphora. Yeah. In one sense, all of these things are free. You're, you're free to do all kinds of things. Now the question is, what are you going to do that, that reinforces our theology that edifies faith that calls forth repentance, fear of God, faith in Christ, reverence for the word and sacrament, um, I don't know. This just this ticks me off. This this stuff just really ticks me. Well, off. and the other thing is, how pure does a church have to be before it's pure enough to attend? <laughs> well. You know, <laughs> if it's going to be uh, perfectly liturgical and perfectly law and gospel and perfectly everything, uh, you're not invited. Well, here's and, the other and, thing: is you know, the, go to any church, your your congregation, my congregation, on any given Sunday, yeah. and something's going to be not firing correctly. Either the choir's off key, the sermon is off key. Uh, you know, it, this is this is in the hands of of sinful and fallible men and women. Right. right too. Now, those are innocent mistakes. When 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 it's kind of like a restaurant when the menu is constructed intentionally. Right. To be a certain way, uh, you know, you have to make a choice. Uh, I, I, I kind of advocate. I, I think this long distance church stuff is really bad. It's bad for the person. They have no local congregation. It's bad for the congregations. 
You know, our congregations are composed of a lot of commuters, and when they get tired of commuting, when gas becomes seven fifty a gallon, or when when you know times change, uh, you're not going to have much of a congregation left yeah. anymore. We yeah. have we have virtually no uh, meaningful presence in our community anymore. Right. We're very estranged from our community. This is a bad thing. Yeah, this is a really right. bad thing. I concur. I concur. And, you know, one of the things also is we write about 70 sermons a year, and you, you can't hit a home run every time you're at bat. You know, the the world's greatest baseball players bat about 400. <laughs> and over a lifetime, if you bat 350, you're doing really well. Now, I'm not equating, you know, preaching to that, but uh, we're going to have a dog every now and then of a sermon. And I, I don't know about you, but there have been weeks where I've written my sermon and I think as I'm writing it, this is great. And then you deliver and it just, you right. know, falls on the it's, ground. It's, it's like dead on arrival, wah, 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 you know, kind of thing. But I think, I think what this person is saying though, is more than that. Yeah, I, I, I know. I think, I know. you know, but I'm saying you can't expect you've gone and I've gone either. to, to churches that say Lutheran, even LCMS on the signboard. And you walked in and you think that somebody took over the building for the morning. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And, you're right. and, and I think that's just, a, that's just a shame on our house. I, I've, I, well, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking now. We'll, we'll say, we'll save that for another, We'll save that for the 200th episode when, <laughs> when, I, when I say what I really think well, about you, that. You but. just have to ask yourself, what makes us discernibly Lutheran? Uh, and if we throw all that out the door, why bother? Well, yeah. yeah you see, know, I've, Walter, seen, I've seen LCMS churches that are Calvary Chapel that happens to do baby, baby baptism. I mean, that's that's like the only distinguishing point is All right. we still baptize babies. Fine. I mean, we that... use grape juice for communion and, you know. See, and it's it's this business of, of doctrine being sort of this little bit and that little bit. It's yeah. cafeteria Christianity. It's it's consumer-driven. It's it's people going wherever they like to get what, what appeals to them. And I'm not saying that's what this caller is talking no, no, about. No, 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 no. But I'm saying this is, what, this is why the churches are in the condition and the shape that they're in. Um, I would say, well, what do you, you know, what do you do? What, what if that was the only church in town? What if you were in the midst of a wilderness area and there was a tiny little shack of a church? Oh, don't use the word shack because that, that goes into some weird <laughs> book that I don't want to get into. But there's some little log cabin. No, you can't really use log cabin either. Now you just hit okay. the gay Republicans. There's some, there's some kind of, that's right. Man, is anything, can you say anything anymore that doesn't have another meaning? Um, but, but, you know, you, there's some little gap gathering in your area of Christians and you know they sing a few hymns they hear the word of god they celebrate the sacrament whether weekly or occasionally or whatever um and my my question that i would ask myself in that thing is can can i if if all there is 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 a little bread and a little piece of something you know uh and i'm starving is that food enough you know or am i going to say i've got to i've got to look on i've got to move on yeah. kind of thing um th- Perhaps the the Lord knows this. Perhaps uh, you know one is located at a particular time and place for a reason uh, beyond one's own needs too. I don't know. Eugene Peterson, the Presbyterian minister, used to worship with the Lutherans where he was was at his family cabin in Montana, where he'd like to uh, take time off and and that got to know the old Lutheran pastor really well. It really influenced his theology. Mm-hmm. In a sense, and 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 uh, and and Peterson is delightful for his having engaged the Lutherans too. Um, I just don't know. I, it, it cuts both ways. The churches that are serving up this slop, uh, they need a sort of a version of Restaurant Impossible. You know, somebody like Robert Irvine to come and kick their ass. Um, 
or or Chef Ramsay, you know, come and cuss them out for a while, something like that. And on the other hand, uh, you know, I mean, Christians, I think, have to get out of this consumer mode, too. Yeah. That, that, you know, the thing has to be absolutely this or absolutely that or, you know, well, or let, I'm not going there. Let me let me add this to the discussion also. There are, I know, a few pastors who get a call to a church and all of a sudden there's this big groundswell for contemporary music and for, uh, you know, the projector and the praise band and the light show and all the rest. And they really don't want it, but it's kind of shoved down their throats and they would love to have a few parishioners that had their back and was actually, and were actually lobbying for some sort of Lutheran identity. That's true. So maybe the Lord is putting you in this church yeah, that, no, that's true. to that, support and encourage your pastor to be a Lutheran. And even if he's fallen by the wayside, ask him, is this what you were taught at seminary? Is it, is this what Lutherans are yeah, really all but about? It's just, and, it's a, it's a bigger conversation. And you and I both know some of the realities too. I yeah. mean, these guys are hard pressed. Their livelihood depends on it. And it's easy for, for other people. Like we we're talking about last time where people say, Oh, take a stand, you know? Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's not yeah. your job, dude. Right. Um, yeah, there are hills to die on too. Yeah. Yep. And, and I don't really know what's going on with the thinking of a lot of these guys. And, and I think a lot of these guys really would like to get the gospel into a lot of ears. I really would I really yeah, do even, believe even so. those who are misinformed on their on their praxis on on the way that they well are they they do things that that seem to be kind of out there and stuff I think I, I'm not going to impute any motive whatsoever right, to right. them other other than you know it's like Paul saying in Philippians some preach Christ out of envy some you know for whatever motive who cares let Christ be preached and and that now you know what I'm going to do where I'm going to guide people that's a little that's that's a different question yeah, but uh, uh, anyway, none of this is against the caller. I, I'm I'm sympathetic with the caller. It opens a whole can of worms for uh, all kinds of discussion about where to worship and and stuff like that. And uh, you know, the the Lutheran Church, a decent church. There are there are places where you can't find a decent church for hundreds of miles. At, at the end of the day, when I have parishioners that leave and they're moving off to a faraway land or something like that. Uh, and and they call me and tell me that the Missouri Synod Church in town, or there is no Missouri Synod Church in town. The Elka Church in town has a gay biker on acid as a pastor, or, you know, whatever. Uh, ultimately, they need to see, simply seek out the gospel. Where are they being told that there's a forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus? Where are they hearing those words of absolution? If it happens to be in a Baptist church or an Anglican church or whatever, maybe that's where you need to go to hear the gospel, not necessarily partake of the sacraments, but at least someplace where the gospel is being proclaimed and you're hearing about the forgiveness of sins in Christ. Yeah, I guess it starts there. You know, I, we, I was looking at all kinds of uh, ways. If you divided the church along every issue from women's ordination to contemporary worship to this, to that, to the other thing, you know, pretty soon you're going to be standing by yourself yeah. pretty much. And you're one of those and, uh, little Lutheran micro synods with four churches, but you're the bishop. Yeah, well, for, <laughs> for a while till the others overthrow right. you. But, but, but uh, <laughs> You know, and it goes back, here are the two solutions. Roman Catholicism basically tolerates most everything under its umbrella, so long yeah. as you give your nod to the Pope, 
Right. Um, you know, for me, as, as, for me in my house, it's, it's, you know, the doctrine of justification. There's going to be my hill to die on. Uh, because really, that's in the end, the only hill that matters is the hill of the cross. Right. And the fact that uh, the Son of God bore your sin on the cross and that you are justified before God for his sake through faith in him. I saw what you did there and I liked it, the hill of the cross. I a little, that. yeah, a little yeah, metaphorical was, jump there. Yeah. This little homiletical nice device. Uh, Rosso used to call gospel that a handle. gospel handle, yes. which was nothing more than a metaphorical jump or a figure of speech, if you will, to get gospel into a text that had no gospel. Oh, gosh. You read those texts every now and then, and at the end, oh. you, you think this is the gospel of the Lord? Well, you know, no. See, I like there should be a question mark. No, the end, no. Know? When we're announcing that in the reading, that's not what we mean. We mean gospel <laughs> as literary form. I know. However, uh, there are many, many, many texts that uh, the way the pericopes kind of run these things, there is... Let's put it this way. Uh, as Dr. Nagel used to say, the gospel must be overheard. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, by all means, we've got a minute left here. So we, we need to wrap up. In what are we going to do with that ago. minute? Well, uh, Since we... let's talk about blue. The, the oh, blue cross. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I go to the website. And at the LCMS.org website, and what do I see up in the corner? I see a blue triple cross. Not pink, not, not mauve, not purple. It wasn't really purple. It was kind of maroony. It's blue. And, and what, I, what I've discovered is that, that our friend Matt Harrison, often on this show, well, not as often now that he's president, but, but they've changed the colors. And I, I downloaded the LCMS brand manual, and the official color is inst- it's 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 royal blue now and sub subsidiary colors witness always red mercy forever purple not purple like the purple though not purple purple no and life together green green life together the blue you know i just spent two thousand dollars on a new sign out front with the purple cross i'd sue i'm going to small claims i'd sue uh they've done you wrong sir i've been wronged well in honor of this big move blue what are they going to do with all those hymnals those sangria (laughs) burgundy whatever hymnals we have ray books of concord ray who wrote this song just for the missouri synod Actually, he didn't even write it, did he? Who recorded this song? Was he LCMS? He is now. Oh. <laughs> we'll be back. Was a time I was her only one Now I am Because Swirla bought the sign. Was I gay? Oh. <laughs> that other color was kind of, I gotta say. A, now quest- she's a, a question you dare not ask today. Was I gay? Didn't he know? Am I <laughs> it was another time. Was a time I was the only one 
Welcome back to the God Whispers. We've got the Dickies bowling with Bedrock Barney. Oh, it's a classic. <laughs> Man, I, I'm still doing research on this LCMS blue here. Yeah, you're kind of obsessed with that. I'm, I'm depressed is what it is. I'm kind of excited. I, that My congregation's pews are in that LCMS purple. It is. You're a sucker. I am. I, I just, I, I was. Why would you go with such a pink I drank color? the Kool-Aid. Man, I'm a corporate man. You are. I am. My church doesn't even have the boomerang cross on our sign. We went with the Luther Rose. I went with the boomerang cross when the ELCA decided to to bless gay marriages if you're clergy. No, actually, maybe not a bad move. You think <laughs> no. about it that way. I'm, I, I've got some research on this here. Unfortunately, my microphone is turned in a way I can't see. Let's see. Why are we rebranding now? Why are we rebranding now? I don't know. What are some of the branding elements that have changed? New standards for the cross. New st- what? New color palette. That's it. New color palette. Life Together Green, Mercy Purple, Witness Red, and the corporate logo in blue. And there it is. I mean, you go... They actually call it the corporate logo? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's LCMS Inc. That's true. Royal Blue. It's a cla- Oh, get this. Royal blue. Okay. The new. Why blue? Why blue? I, I think it was to sell more hymnals because now you're going to have to trade in all your sangria colored hymnals to get the blue. Or ones. you could just go back to LW. Oh, that's a horrible hymnal. Uh, <laughs> the new blue palette for the LCMS Cross logo was chosen for several reasons after numerous meetings. Oh yeah, well you can't you can't you can't do anything without numerous meetings, can you? Uh, over several months, the new color palette was viewed positively by the pastors, seminary professors. They did a focus group. Here's the here's the key word. The next word: donors, <laughs> laity, and others. You know, after you say pastors, seminary professors, donors, laity, who? What else is left? More donors. Do they consult any interior designers? That's really what I want to know. Participating in the rebranding effort, royal blue is a classic conservative color that will stand the test of time. It's also a Marian color. Ooh. Maybe maybe this this, this may signal a greater devotion to the BVM. I was thinking maybe a, a return to Rome. Oh, some are doing that. Who? What? <laughs> <laughs> some are returning to Rome. Oh. oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Actually, 
the blue like, color palette also like a lot of our young people are starting to the, do this. Yeah, they are. But the blue color palette also complements the colors of our new mission branding, Witness Mercy and Life Together. That would be in red, purple, and green, respectively. So they chose it for its its complementary. It's a design. It's really design. It's about design. I'm going to the homosexual um, <laughs> uh, affirming. Lutheran oh Church, wait 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 wait! What their colors hold are it, like here. Hold it. Hold it. There is a bit of dissing here. Uh oh. Okay. The blue color palette also <laughs> complements the colors of our new mission branding, Witness Mercy Life Together, better, better than the burgundy color. Mm. Tell that to Paul McCain and CPH. <laughs> they've got well, they've got pallet loads of burgundy everything we've got burgundy books of concord burgundy catechisms burgundy hymnals burgundy uh lutheran study bibles burgundy boxer shorts we got we got everything's in burgundy just an opportunity to uh put out a new edition of everything with some different pictures and a different color i'm gonna have a, i'm gonna have lots of splaining to do to my congregation now, I, we I, bought a sign, we have upholstery, and we have hymnals all in burgundy, and now the color of our synod is blue. You know what? I feel orphaned. They have Easter peeps on the front of the ELCA website. Easter, I love Easter peeps. The little peeps. They have peeps. You ever put the marshmallow ones in the microwave? I've heard. They get all huge. <laughs> oh, they have a big justice rally for Trayvon also. How nice. They're not political, though. Uh, they have, and I knew this, in their globe, they have red, blue, purpley blue, yellow, and green, which it, is a rainbow. The ELCA, colors. yeah. But, that's, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm chafing over this blue, royal blue. A rainbow of colors. You know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so ticked off. I, I'm, I'm... Are you going to quit? I'm calling the Synod. Wait, hang on. Call. I would. We're sorry, the number you have dialed oh. is not in service at this time. They changed the number on me. Maybe on our next show. They don't want could... to talk to us anymore. Well, I, I, I might be able to get a hold of someone over there. But maybe on the, on the next show, we should see if we can get someone to explain this to us. I like that again. Something about liberal pink sitting in it? What? That's the official explanation right there. You know, you want to know why, if, if you want to know why the LCMS has switched its colors from burgundy to blue, right here. Let me play it again for you. Pink today sitting in it, something. This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God. God's voices correction. God's elect know the time when judgment day is coming. But the unbelievers, they don't know the time. God has commanded us to warn them that the sword is coming. The whole world has to know that judgment day is near. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come oh man 
I, this has just thrown me. I, I don't know if I can go on with this show oh, now. Oh, yeah. You know what? I hit this, and I had my volume turned down. Inquire no more, you feral beast. <laughs> timing. Hans, timing. Hans that was bad B. timing. Hey, do you have the uh, Heidelberg music? Inquire no more, you feral beast. <laughs> All rise. All rise. The song of the motherlands. You will change to blue. This is an order from the top. There will be no resistance. We will defame you on Facebook if you resist. Our right hand and a blessing of those who are to be elected at the upcoming conventions this summer. Poor, poor Haydn. He had no idea. It's such a good, it's such a good tune. I mean, think about it. That is far superior to our national anthem. It, musicality. Ours, you know, ours is unsingable. It is let's, horrible. Let's face it, you have to be a trained singer to sing our national. You know, speaking anthem of now. the Olympics are coming up, and and I always I always love how our national anthem gets massacred by foreign countries. They just, you know, we can't do it right. How can we expect them? Well, that is our cue that we are to move on. Thesis nineteen to the Heidelberg disputation. Finally, we get back to it. For those of you playing the home game, look at thesis nineteen. Thesis written in fifteen eighteen by. Dr. Martin Luther. Oh, I for, thought it was written by Gerhard Ferdi. For, <laughs> that's your notes. Oh, yeah. For disputation uh, within the Augustinian order. Um, and we've been talking a lot about, uh, I, I, I think the big insight through the first 18 theses, the one that stands out for me the most, is this notion that whatever man does is sin. Yes. Yeah, even when God works through man, it is sin. Because man is sinful. Everything he does is sin. Everything is polluted. You know, in the antinomian controversy, if they would have said it that way, they, you know, when he talked about good works being detrimental to salvation, if they would have just added that, that little caveat, because everything we do is done through the sinful nature, whether good work or evil or work of God or anything, it would have, they would have been fine. Probably would have been okay. Ah, 19. Now, this is where that term theology of the cross comes in. First time that, that I think Luther actually puts this down on paper. He says that person does not deserve to be a theologian who looks upon the invisible things of God as though they were clearly perceptible in those things which have actually happened. Referencing Romans one twenty that certain things about God can be known from the natural order, observing yes. creation, you know, his, his eternal power and his deity, Paul says. Um, you notice you can't tell anything else about God except that he is eternally powerful and that he is God. 
Luther comments, this is apparent in the example of those who were theologians and still were called fools by the apostle in Romans one twenty two. Um, referring to the, the pagans, actually. Furthermore, the invisible things of God are virtue, godliness, wisdom, justice, goodness, and so forth. The recognition of all these things does not make one worthy or wise. Hmm. See, now, uh, you know, this is, this is a slap at scholastic theology, at scholasticism in general. Explain that for well, the whole I- playing the home game. <laughs> the, the whole idea um, is, is that contemplation on the invisible things, contemplation and speculation on the invisible things of God, on virtue, on godliness and wisdom, justice, goodness, these are all abstract kinds of things. That does not uh, make, that does not justify one before God. That doesn't make one either worthy to be in his presence or wise in the ways of God. Uh, this to see what where Luther is heading is the only thing that we can know of God that matters is the cross. You know, everything is focused through the cross. You know, Luther had this this thing about the hidden God in 1525 with Erasmus. All these speculations, all this, all this, you know, this this business about uh, you know God's God's election and blah blah blah. You know, Luther just kind of just just pushes aside and says, you know, I don't know of anything, of any God except, you know, the incarnate one, the one in the lap of the Virgin, the one on the cross. And so this whole idea of messing around with the invisible things to try to discern things about God is, or, or using the visible as kind of a stepping stone to the invisible, that's it, is, is just, Luther says, nonsense. Or as we like to say on the God Whisperers, saying too much about a thing. We, you know, we're only given to say what Scripture has said. We aren't given to necessarily, uh, you know, subject Scripture to logic and that magisterial use of reason, placing our reason above Scripture. We are to pretty much submit, not pretty much, we are to submit our reason and our logic to the Word of God. And if things don't make sense to us, sometimes it's us that are the issue, not the Word of God. And so we, we don't say, well... Uh, For example, there's a well-known blogger who recently declared that the Holy Trinity is nonsense because it didn't make sense to him. Aha! (laughs) You know, kind of thing. Uh, So we subject ourselves to the things that are revealed and the things that are not revealed to us. uh, We know that we are best to sometimes just say, huh, isn't that odd? And just kind of leave it alone. See, again, the force in Thesis 19 seems to be that you can get at the invisible things of God through the perceptible. And, and, and Luther says that person does not deserve to be called a theologian uh, who essentially limits himself to what he can perceive. See, that would be natural theology in a yes, sense. Right. That would be philosophy. Uh, that would be a lot of what what Luther would have known as, as scholastic theology. The whole, the whole, basically, the whole theology, if you will, of Aristotle or Plato, or right. something like that. Um, and so, so see, because you see where Luther is going with this, with the next thesis, he deserves to be called a theologian. There's the counterpart, however, who now catch this, who comprehends the visible and manifest things of God seen through suffering and the cross. Mm. But but you, here you're not using the visible as a stepping stone to the invisible. 
But instead, you are. In fact, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm beginning to wonder whether 19 isn't a little dig at Augustine too. That because <laughs> Augustine had this this signum res signata idea that the yeah. visible sign is a uh, kind of a springboard to the invisible thing signified, the higher things signify there's a there's a, a sort of a platonism going on in there and i'm wondering if luther luther talking to the augustinian order is basically calling that into account as well because what what does the counterpart 20 deal with a true theologian comprehends the visible and manifest things of god seen through suffering in the cross that is that's your lens your lens of everything that can be perceived of God is seen through suffering in the cross. Yeah, I have a note here. It's not Luther, but it says, uh, maybe it is from Luther. If we can see through the cross to what is supposed to be behind it, we don't have to look at it. How does one look through the cross to see the invisible things of God and so become a theologian of glory? So if, if we're looking beyond the cross, then we're looking too far. We're looking at what we don't need to look at. Yeah, you know, Luther's explanation here, same way. He says the manifest and visible things of God are placed in opposition to the invisible, namely his human nature, weakness, and foolishness. The apostle in 1 Corinthians one twenty five calls them the weakness and folly of God. Yeah, that's, the, that's that great passage where he says that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom mm-hmm. of men. Yeah. Uh, because men misuse the knowledge of God through works, God wished again to be recognized in suffering and to condemn wisdom concerning invisible things by means of wisdom concerning visible things so that those who did not honor God as manifested in his work should honor him as he is hidden in his suffering. Ah, see, so in, in other words, if you want to look around for where God is, you know, look for God hidden in suffering. Look to the cross. There, there, there is, there is, there is the work of God, par excellence. See, but sometimes that's also mistaken in uh, monastic movements and whatnot. As where there is suffering, there is Christ, and so you know we look to the gulags and we look to all uh, sorts of terrible places, and and that's where we're going to find Jesus, right? You know, and but, that's that's a mistake also. He doesn't say that though. He no, says, no, no. He says that we should honor him as he is hidden in his suffering. Yes, and that is the suffering of the cross. Right. Um, absconditum in passionibus, hidden in the passion. Hidden in, this, mm. hidden in suffering. As the apostle says in 1 Corinthians one twenty one. for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. And that's certainly true today, too. We're wiser than ever and more atheist than ever. Uh, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Now, it is not sufficient for anyone, and it does him no good to recognize God in his glory and majesty unless he recognizes him in the humility and the shame of the cross. See, that's it right there. Hmm. You know, I mean, and how much we're talking, you know, earlier, I don't know when we're talking, but but, uh, about, you know, praise worship and and, and the glory and the majesty. A lot of that, a lot of that contemporary hymnody is about glory, majesty, and all of this stuff. Well, and it's also suffering. Right. It's also about me. And what God is doing for me, or, or rather what I'm doing for God more often than not, and how I'm praising God and how I'm doing this and that and the other thing for God. But how often do these things actually manifest themselves in my unworthiness, my sin, and Christ's redemption from the cross for me? Uh, you don't find a whole lot of contemporary music that's like that. There's some, and, and God bless those who are actually doing that, but 
unfortunately, it tends to be this this turning in on ourselves instead of out to the cross. And when we do that, we're certainly not going to be a theologian of the cross. We're going to be a, a theologian of glory and self-glory at that in particular. I, yes, that's right. And, and and those terms come up then in, in 21, uh, the, the, you know, the two are contrasts, the theology of glory, theology of the cross. And, and I want to get there, but I just want to kind of back up. I think 20 gives us then sort of a lens by which to perceive all things. It's not that things, we just close our eyes and believe, you know, or we, we believe contrary to what we see. That's not what Luther is saying. I think some people sort of lay faith as contrary to reason. No. no or, right. or, or faith is something we believe contrary to what our eyes see. But, but that's not what Luther's saying here is he's saying that we comprehend God uh, the lens through which we perceive these things is Jesus' suffering and his cross. That's, that's the glasses. Those are the glasses through which we get a beat on God and what he's up to. Well, Luther also makes this clear in his uh, speech at Worms, the Here I Stand speech. He says, unless you can show me from Scripture or plain reason. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like he just throws reason completely under the bus. You know, there's still a place for that. But but all of that has to be brought through Jesus' suffering and the cross. Yes. I mean, it becomes the great lens, I think, of human thought and perception. Uh, and I think this is what's so radical about Luther's theology, as opposed to some of the more radical reformers in that, is that everything is radically pulled through the cross. Oh, this is his whole hermeneutic. This is the way he reads the scripture. It's all read through the lens of Jesus' suffering and Jesus' cross. Right. Um, he goes on, so also in, oh, uh, let's see, thus God destroys the wisdom of the wise. See, because when you view the wisdom of the wise through Jesus' suffering in the cross, it appears as foolishness. And truly, and says, truly thou art a God who hidest thyself, in the words of Isaiah, Isaiah 45. Yeah, see, that was Luther's big thing, the hidden God. The more hidden God is, the more God he is for you. Um, so also in John fourteen eighteen, when Philip spoke according to the theology of the glory, saying, show us the Father, Christ forthwith set aside his flighty thought about seeing God elsewhere and led him to himself, saying, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. For this reason, true theology and recognition of God are in the crucified Christ, as it is also stated in John 10. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the door, and so forth. So yeah, this, this is the big thing, is all these speculations about God, the nature of God, natural theology, all of this kind of stuff. Luther basically says, that's going to get you nowhere. God is to be contemplated in the incarnation and in the suffering and death of Jesus. Right. Yeah, you you can come to a belief in a god apart from the scriptures. Yeah, but, you can become a deist. Yeah, but good luck or in a theist coming to faith with the god apart from scriptures unless he pulls uh, uh, turning a Saul into Paul deal with you out in the middle of the jungle, which is pretty rare. But, but even uh, even so, uh, Saul. Well, <laughs> and, uh, two things: one, Saul didn't change his name to Paul for his conversion. I, I mean, understand, but, but I, I'm saying I know was, what you're saying though. There conversion was that, of Saul. There was that that direct. But it was Jesus. Yeah, that direct meeting with Jesus. Not you know, but. You know, how often does that happen today? Who knows? Not very often, I don't think. You know, and interesting, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lists himself as one of the authentic eyewitnesses of the resurrection. 
So that that uh, that meeting on the road to Damascus was a meeting with the risen Lord, and Paul would lay claim to that as yeah. he was one of those that he lists as one of those who could attest by eyewitness testimony that had seen the risen Lord, uh, albeit in a rather uh, supernatural way. But um, hey, any risen from the dead is kind of supernatural anyway, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. 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 So this, I mean, twenty one. Uh, Picks up the terms that that people throw around a lot that, that these theses are known for. Um, a theology of glory, Luther says, calls evil good and good evil. <laughs> uh, a theology of the cross calls the thing what it actually is. Now, when I first, when every time I read this, I just have to ask, what the heck does that mean? Yeah, that's that's my first inclination. But Luther's first comment is, this is clear. You know, oh yeah, yeah. What does that mean? What. It doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, you know, the theology of glory uh, is is one that uh, denies suffering, one that goes straight for the glory apart from the suffering. Uh, I think that one of the things is it it often manifests itself in in a kind of semi Pelagian kind of uh, you can help save yourself cooperation for salvation kind of thing uh, instead of. Going the way of Luther and those before Luther, who simply said, "I'm but a worm, I'm uh, I'm utterly useless in any matter of salvation, and I only bring death to the party." Uh, whereas the theology of glory says, "No, no, no, you don't necessarily just bring death to the party," and so it calls evil, which is the self, good, and it ignores that. Uh, monergistic justification that you cannot merit or earn God's merit at all. And so the evil that it proclaims to be good is the self and the evil or the good that it proclaims evil is the gospel in a, in a very real sense. You know, yeah. You could say that, that the theology of glory calls the gospel evil. Yeah. And works of the law. Good. Yes. Um, and we recognize or that. sin good for that matter <laughs> sometimes well because works of the law are done by sinners right and luther has said above that any any work done by sinful man is mortal sin he says and therefore a theologian of glory trusting what he sees and not using the lens of jesus suffering and cross that's the key yeah a theologian of glory does not put the glasses on he rejects the glasses of the cross and so when he views things that way, he will call that which is good, the cross, evil. Mm-hmm. And that which is evil, the works of men, good. Yeah. I, early on in the ministry, I, I always was rubbed raw by people who were very moralistic. And they were ready to call down hellfire on everyone else. And they'd say, Pastor, you believe that living together outside of marriage is sin, Right. Yes, and they, and then you know they want to point at someone else and their sin all the time and that sort of thing. But it's always interesting how there are these moralizing individuals that that just focus on the morality, yet they're never willing to actually point out their own sin. They're just ready to point right. out everyone else's sin all the time. I, I think one of the one of the hallmark or one of the telltale questions of moralism runs something like this: Pastor is fill in the blank a sin? Yeah. That's that is the open door to moralism. Yeah, because the 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 answer to this question is who's doing it, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> well, if I'm doing it, it it's, it's a sin. It's obviously not as bad as if someone no, else no, is doing it. It's a it. sin. Period. Well, no, but you can't do anything but sin. But they're worse than I am. <laughs> you only, don't understand, Pastor. They're 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 terrible people. See, and and so what would Luther say here? You are speaking which as a theologian of glory or the cross? Glory, absolutely, yes. because the 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 theologian of glory glory will measure one against the other and say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, however, put on the glasses, the glasses of Jesus' passion, his suffering and death. Now you look at the same thing and you say, chief of sinners, though I be, <laughs> Jesus shed his blood for me. Yep. Uh, and that means looking at one another through those glasses, too. See, I, I, think, that, I think this is the brilliant thing. Bonhoeffer saw this in, in his book, Life Together. He says, if we are going to live together as brothers, then we must let Christ get between us. See, Christ has to be always between between the sinner, mediating between the sinners. And so when you look at anybody, anybody, the most vile of sinners, you have to, as a theologian of the cross, look at them through the lens of Jesus' suffering and death. We're just about out of time. That's a great point to end on, though. Yeah, it is. It is. You look at your neighbor and you realize that they're just as sinful, just as justified as you are. Oh. No more, no less. See you next time. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave.